Good morning. You can go ahead and turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Okay, as we're starting out here, I want to ask you young people, if you feel young, you can answer. But you young people this morning, I want to ask you guys a question, okay? So be ready to answer. You guys ready to talk? Answer here. What? We're going to talk some about idolatry. And I want to ask you a question. What is idolatry? You have to be quick because we don't have a lot of time this morning. (laughs) What's idolatry? Okay, worship of idols. Okay. Anybody else have anything to add to that? Okay. Okay. Loving something more than God. Okay. Anybody? I don't want to cut anybody out here. Anybody else? Okay, both those are, are right. Um, what did you say again on idolatry? Oh, the worship, of worship of idols and then loving something more than, more than God. And so, and that's perfect. Because I, I want us to think even, I want us to think broad like that. You know, something that is put before God. So when we think of idolatry, we're not thinking you know, merely in the Old Testament, the Canaanites, you know, heathenism, paganism, or in our culture today, you know, India, these other cultures that have all these these physical idols, Buddhas and these things um, that they worship, it is that. But then we'll see um, that it, it's more than that. So we don't just think, oh, that's someone else, you know, someone else's issue. We don't have that. But that it'll come home more. Um, personally and individually to us that, no, this is something that we need to be aware of, that we also have um, in our lives. And part of the sanctification is seeing those idols and, and, and God showing us those things, removing those in our life, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. So Psalm 106 here, we're going to deal just mainly with a, a small portion of this psalm. Um, but just putting it in context here a little bit, Psalm 105 focused on the faithfulness and fidelity of God. Well, Psalm 106 focuses on the continual rebellion and infidelity of his chosen people, Israel. This psalm was written while the Jews were in exile. It's a psalm confessing the sins of the people and praying for God's restoration of them as a people. And here, and some things I'm going to share with this psalm have to do in relationship to uh, with abortion. And um, this, it's the 21st, am I correct? I, the 20, well, on the 21st is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, 1973, right? Or the 22nd, thanks. Correct me, because I don't, some of these aren't as fresh. But the 22nd is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And it's interesting, I've... Some of these things I've shared before at a sermon I preached back in 2011. So statistics then were around 52 million um, abortions had taken place, the killing of 52 million. Well, today it's over 60 million. So just since 2011, just, I mean, that, that number is incomprehensible. Um, we were at, Mark and I were at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and I don't know the numbers, 200, 300,000. If you've seen any of the video of how many people were on that march, 
I mean, you think about that's just a fraction of how many are killed, babies are killed annually in our country. And, and so in this psalm, something we're going to see is kind of what's at the heart of this. I mean, it's not just, a, it's not just some political issue, you know, to argue about. I, I mean, we're talking about the, the killing of human life in, in brutal ways so often. Um, you know, and, and so what, what's at the heart of this? What's taking place here? And I think we get a glimpse of that here in Psalm 106. But then something else just to state at, at the outset of this. You know, in talking about this topic is the likelihood that somebody who hears this and hears this message has been affected, impacted some way by abortion. Some 20% of, a, of pregnancies end in abortion. And something, I want to start with just words of, of compassion and hope in this message. And, and what's neat in this psalm is though, I mean, it deals with the unfaithfulness the continual unfaithfulness of the people of Israel, and yet there's hope in this psalm. There's the offer of compassion in this psalm. Let's start out here in Psalm 106, just reading the first few verses here. No, I mean, this is a psalm dealing with the sins of the people, and look how it starts. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Who can speak of, the, speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord or, who, or can show forth all his praise? How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. So we see, I mean, there's this hope. There's this hope for Israel because we'll see, I mean, they were committing just egregious acts of idolatry, even as we'll see, sacrificing their own children to the gods of the Canaanites. And here's this this hope here, and let's go to the, the end of this psalm. Look in verse 44. Nevertheless, he took upon their distress when he heard their cry. Verse 45, and he remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. He also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all their captors, Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. So there's, the, there's this offer of restoration, of forgiveness, this um, entering into um, this covenant, God remembering his covenant for their sake, and we know that um, Christ... We can enter into this covenant of grace and forgiveness through the blood and sacrifice of Christ. Acts 13, 38 and 39 says this, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So just start now, just as there's this undertone of this psalm of hope, you know, of compassion, the offer of compassion, of forgiveness, of grace and mercy, and that's what it is. Here as we talk about this issue, that there is, and even as we would read this psalm, that we would find that this was us apart from Christ. 
You know, th- this was us serving ourselves, serving our own, uh, enslaved to our sins and our lusts, apart from uh, God and his mercy and his grace saving us and delivering us from these things. So let's look here in Psalm 106, starting in verse, well, we're going to be in 34. I just want to mention one other verse here that I just read. Verse 3, notice this verse here. How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. And in, in supporting life, you know, being a voice for life and in whatever way that God allows us to do that is good. It's right. You know, blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. This is something right and good for us to be a part of, uh, supporting, being a voice for, for the unborn, for life. Um, because certainly this is a work of Satan, that this has been justified and that people can justify a killing um, innocent human life in the womb. It's a spiritual battle. So starting here in verse 34, it says this, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them. And this is when God brought the Israelites into the land of Canaan. They didn't obey God. Fully, they didn't destroy the peoples as God commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even, notice here this, they even, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with the blood. Thus they became unclean in their practices and played the harlots in their deeds. Now, who would have thought, right? As God brings the children of Israel, God showed um, his miraculous hand in delivering um, the Israelites from the Egyptians. God's favor, I mean, he you know, parted the Red Sea, destroyed uh, armies, uh, the, uh, the armies of Pharaoh there at the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing. But we know, I mean, soon they were turning and, and, and complaining, grumbling, not believing God. And, and yet God's faithfulness, continual faithfulness um, to uh, not forsake them. And we see that, I mean, this whole psalm is kind of rec- recording those events. Uh, and it says how they, they quickly forgot his works. You know, God did these things, they repent, and they quickly, they forget his works. And, and here they are to this point where it says they even did this. You know, something that it says is unthinkable for God that he would ever have them to do. Here they are offering their children as sacrifices to the gods of Molech. Let me catch up here in my notes. God commanded them in Exodus 23. He says, you'll drive them out. He says, I'll deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you will drive them out before you. You shall not make no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land because they will make you sin against me. 
For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And obviously what we see here, they didn't. They didn't drive them out. They didn't obey God. And it certainly became a snare to them. As a result, they did exactly what God warned them they would do. They mingled with the nations. They learned their practices. And they worshipped and served their gods. And, and once again, just talking about the depths of what they were brought to here in verse 37 or verse 36 talks about they serve their idols. And notice they didn't automatically or just jump to this place of offering their children as sacrifices to the gods of Molech. Look back in verse 19. It says, They made a calf in Oreb and worshipped a molten image. They exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. You know, one thing about sin, one thing about idols is we, we don't know where they'll end. You know, we don't know. We think we can control. We think that, you know, just a little bit. This will satisfy. You know, this will be enough. And, and we can't, we don't know what the end of that sin will be. Thank you for your patience here while I find what I'm looking for. Spurgeon said this, and commenting on this passage here, he says, Who knows how far evil will go? Who knows how far evil will go? Did the Israelites think they would end up here? You know, from the place where they see God, they see his glory, they repent. You know, we're only going to worship you, serve you. We have that, you know, at, at the, uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai. Um, did they see themselves here at this place? But let's get the perspective here. So this is culture at its lowest morally. It says they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters. Notice who they sacrificed them to, to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons, their daughters. They sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Canaan. This was clearly contrary to the law and nature of God. Leviticus 18.21 says this, You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And God says that this was to be worthy and guilty of death, those who did this. Leviticus 20, verse 2, You shall also say to the sons of Israel, Any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. Jeremiah 32, 35 says this, and says they built... This is the Israelites. They built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now, the valley of Ben-Hinnom here is located just southwest of Jerusalem, inside of Jerusalem, and inside of Temple Mount there. 
and here they are. They've turned this where it's this is the temple, uh, the holy place. And just inside of that, they're offering these sacrifices, sacrifices of their children to these gods, these Canaanite, Canaanite gods. Now, just connection here. I think you could probably already see it in, in regards to, to abortion. And, and this is not merely a, a women's issue here, is it? I mean, with every pregnancy, there's a man involved. Uh, with every abortion, there's, there's a man involved, a husband, a boyfriend, whatever it might be. And often I think even when we're at the march, they're having um, some testimonies of silent no more and, and people just sharing, some ladies sharing. And, and you'd hear testimonies of, you know, the pressure, my boyfriend wanted it. Uh, you know, my, my husband, whoever, you know, they were pushing for this. So what are the reasons behind this? What's at the heart of this? Whether it's, it's at uh, the, the woman, whether it's the, the man, the husband, whether it's the parents, what's pushing it? What's behind it? Well, it's, it's an idol. It's an idol they're sacrificing these children to. And, and oft, it's the idol of self. It's the idol of convenience. Um, majority of, of abortions that are um, that are done are done just for convenience sake, not wanting any more children you know it it 's impacting my career i 'm not ready don 't want to be a single mom, and those are tough things those are tough choices but yet it's at, it 's at the heart of it is this is this idol this idol of the world this idolatry. So abortion in America, it's a kind of human sacrifice to the gods of this age. This one lady, Kate, at some point, she was president of NARAL, says this, we have to remind people that abortion is the guarantor of a woman's right to choose and her right to participate fully in social and political life of society. Planned Parenthood states this, the desire to complete school or to continue working are common reasons women give for choosing to abort an unplanned pregnancy. And so just what we need to see here, what's at the heart of this is, is idolatry. Yeah. And, and what we need to see here at the heart of this is a spiritual warfare, is a spiritual battle. And at the heart of abortion, I mean, it is the giver of lies, right? The author of lies, the father of lies. And we can know for sure that Satan and his workers are involved in this because they oppose and try to destroy every work of God. The tactics of Satan and his demons are to use lies, John eight forty four deception, Revelation twelve nine murder, Psalm one hundred and six thirty seven here, John eight forty four, and every other kind of destructive activity to attempt to cause people to turn away from God and to and to destroy themselves. That was from Grudem. Listen to John eight forty four. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers you will do. He was a murderer. From the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And we speak, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So we know at the heart of this is Satan and his his lies. He's a murderer. This isn't of the Lord. Now, just a 
to broaden this out and maybe bring it more personally here, individually, as we close out. Once again, back in Psalm 106, verse 37, it says, They even sacrifice their sons. Now, if I can get some help reading some other scriptures here. If someone will turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 5. Be ready to read that. Someone will turn to 1 Samuel 15, 23. And this here will just broaden a little bit more, maybe, in our mind of what idolatry is. Maybe, it, does someone have 1 Samuel fifteen twenty three? Could you go ahead and read that? Terry. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Okay, these are as, as the sins of idolatry, this rebellion. Who has Ephesians 5.5? 5, 5? John? Okay, so there. Who who is an idolater there in Ephesians five five? A covetous man. Now, I mean, this is bringing it a little closer to home, right? And here he's speaking to the churches of Ephesus, um, exhorting them, warning them. Uh, let's see here. I want to turn now to Ezekiel fourteen one through five. Ezekiel 14, 1 to 5. You know, I, just, I think about just the whole abortion debate. It's just mind-boggling. You know, things we hear there like at uh, the March for Life and some quotes that were being uh, said, some things they have these ladies coming on talking to elementary-age kids uh, about just how common, how normal, you know, it is to have an abortion. Uh, one even said, you know, this is God's plan, you know, to have an abortion. And, and you just, you can't wrap your mind around that. You have to argue and debate whether this is moral, whether this is right, this is justifiable. Um, one of the only museums open uh, because of the government shutdown was the Holocaust Museum, which I thought was very fitting and appropriate for being the week of March for Life, that that was the only museum to be open. And, I mean, you walk through there, and, of course, there's a, a lot of kids that were at the March for Life. And as you walk through there, though, it's quiet. You know, I mean, you, you just, you, you see what the, the Nazis did, um, and, and it's, it's clear, right? I mean, th- this is wrong, and, and there's outcries to that, obviously so. And yet here, how many were killed by the Nazis in World War II? It's some six million Jews, right? Um, how many have been killed since Roe v. Wade? Over 60 million. So, I mean, to think about what's taking place here. Um, and, and, and so what we realize, I mean, idols blind us. And here, this is the case for those apart from Christ, but then for us in Christ, we see even in the warnings of the New Testament, there are idols that we could become blinded by in our own lives and hearts. And we, I mean, we've heard exhortations to this, so this is just reminding us, exhorting myself in this, 
We can't take lightly sin, which in some capacity or another is some form of idolatry in our life, where at some point we turn around and we think, how did I get to this point in this relationship? How did I get to this point in this sin in my life um, to where I am now? Well, it's because the sin blinds us and we didn't turn from it initially. And then we find ourselves that now, you know, John Mark is even doing this. And here Ezekiel 14 speaks to this. And we'll just read this and, and close here. In Ezekiel 14, he says this. And then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. But here he talks about them setting up their idols in their hearts. They put right before their faces the stumbling block. And that's what an idol is, right? In our sin, it's like it's, it's, this is all we can see. And, and it becomes that stumbling block. And, and how do we deliver ourselves from that? Well, by giving ourselves to the graces of God, right, that he's given us, his word, prayer, the saints, fellowship with one another, people that will come and yank that idol from in front of our face and say, do you see what you're doing here? Do you see what you're thinking, what you're saying here? And so we need to have humble hearts, <laughs> Humble hearts, that God, there, certainly I know there's things that I can't see in my life. Certainly, God, there's things that I can set up that can become an idol, and I don't see it. Give me the grace and humility, God, to receive reproof from another, to hear your word this morning, God. Grant me ears to hear and receive what you'd have me to receive, no matter how much right now I want to hear it or don't want to hear it, God. I know that's what I need to hear. Lord, grant me the ears to hear and remove this idol from me. So may the Lord help us in this. This is no way exhaustive or even that thorough. But just may the Lord help us. One, just encourage us as we see, as we consider this issue of abortion, that there's a, there's a, deep, um, a deep thing going on. There's this idolatry going on. There's this... Um, this work of the evil one, this, these lies that are taking place. It's not merely winning a battle. It's, it's the need for the heart. And then also the need for our own lives and uh, to not be deceived by any idols that, that we would have in our own hearts and lives.